podcast that helps you return to yourself and to your desires so you can live the exact life you want. This is for you if you're ready to make major changes in your career, in your relationships, or within yourself. While I am a therapist, this is not a substitute for going to therapy. I am super excited. This is honestly, this episode has been a long time in the making. And I am thrilled to have our guest today, Shelby Alkair, on with us. Shelby, welcome to the Return Podcast. Yes, thank you. I am so excited that we finally get to chat. So, Shelby, mm-hmm. if you could tell everyone a little bit about you and what you do in the world, oh, of course. So my name is Shelby Alkire. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I work as a mental health therapist and a coach. I'm licensed in California and Utah as a therapist and can practice from those states, but also do coaching with clients everywhere else. And I primarily work with millennials surrounding the idea of feeling like you're bad at dating. And we work a lot on how to quit second guessing yourself and how to, how to learn how to trust your judgment and trust your intuition. So people will often come to me in lieu of a breakup or situationships, dating, and just not liking how they're feeling. And they can easily point to the relationship as this is something I don't enjoy that I'm doing and that I want to work on. I don't like how I feel. And then it ends up being so much deeper than that and more about like that self-discovery about how they interact with themselves and the world in general. Yeah, that makes so much sense. It's almost like the pain point that they're feeling in their relationship is highlighting something that they need to go a lot deeper on and you Mm -hmm. support them in doing that and going through that process. Yeah. (gasps) Yeah, because I think that relationships, it's such an easy like you said, like this point to look at is to like, I know I don't like this. And so some of those same behaviors in our relationships or when we're dating, we can easily point to those and say like, I don't like being how I'm so anxious in my relationship and I'm feeling so insecure. And you can easily say, I don't like this. I want to, I want to work on this and figure this out. But those same behaviors are showing up other places like at work, but that's more of an acceptable thing or way to live that it's harder to see that as a problem. Like if I'm so anxious at work or I'm feeling insecure at work, I can easily think, oh, I'm just a perfectionist. I just really want to do well Mm -hmm. at my job. I just really care. So it's harder to see how we also maybe have these habits or patterns or things that are unhealthy in other areas. It's easier to be like, I was broken up with and I don't like how I feel or I'm dating and I don't like the people I'm dating. And we can point to that a lot easier. And so then through therapy, gradually, it's looking at like, oh, you actually show up this way in a lot of other areas. Yeah. It seems like as you help people untangle that, I imagine not only does it influence their relationships, but it ends up influencing every single area of their life and shifting these really big things for Mm -hmm. them, these patterns. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Which is exactly why I wanted to have you on because as we think about the idea of returning within this podcast and what I want to support people in doing within themselves, it sounds like you use relationships as sort of the path in to help them come Mm -hmm. back to and let go of 
things that are not serving them and and moving them away from patterns where they can really return to themselves and as you said trust mm-hmm. their intuition and dating and mm-hmm. all of those good things yeah definitely <gasps> I think that's like a huge thing that ends up coming up at first is very much so I don't trust myself and that's where a lot of this is coming from I don't I don't trust the decisions that I'm making in these relationships or especially when you're dating, when you notice that you have these patterns that you don't like, then all of a sudden, when you have that realization of like, oh, I keep dating this type of person, then all of a sudden you're almost scared to date because you're thinking, well, I, I always choose this person. And I, so I can't trust myself to make the right decision or a decision that's going to better serve me. So it is this, like, I don't, yeah, I don't trust myself or my judgment and how challenging that like keeps you in this, this like stuck place. Yeah. It's really important work then to move out of that stuck place and move back into a place where you can trust yourself and you can realize that that choice point around the person that you keep choosing or the type of person you keep Mm -hmm. choosing is something you can actually change and shift. And once you look at these patterns though and kind of get it in there under the hood, so to speak. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Okay. So big, big, important work you're doing. So glad you're here. Uh, You know, I love the work you're doing in the world. And I'm really curious, what made you or what called to you about focusing on dating and relationships and your private practice? Was there something that came up for you that you were like, oh, wow, I I had this experience and I want to make sure other people don't? Or is there just something that you noticed with the clients that you were seeing that really made you feel inspired to do this kind of work? Yeah. I was actually listening to your podcast with Mal and like how, when you guys were touching on this and how she got into her work and how it's like the personal experience in it. So just in like a very similar sense, it was this, this realization that I had had that with the clients that I was working with, I really loved talking about their relationships. And it wasn't just romantic. It could be relationships with family, friends, work stuff. But it was around this idea of relationship. And looking back, that was definitely what I feel like has taught me the most about myself and the areas that I need to heal has been through looking at my relationships and looking at what patterns were happening or how I was feeling and how I was engaging so I think that I saw as just such this like important place to focus on because that was, which it really gave me the tools in so many other areas of life was through looking at how am I showing up in these relationships? How am I feeling in these relationships and why? And then that takes you so much deeper is when you look at the, why, why am I like this? Why am I engaging in these types of situations or people or behaviors and exploring it. And so that definitely I see as like such a catalyst to exploring all these other areas of yourself. And so that's why, yeah, just through my work, I love being able to use that as that entry point into just so many other areas. Yeah. So not only have you found it to be supportive with your clients, but you've had personal experience of knowing that as I zoom in and take a look at the health of my relationships and how I'm showing up in them, I can also use those skills in so many other areas of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I look back, it was probably mid 
to late twenties when I started really diving into like the whys and how I was feeling in different relationships. And I didn't like how I always blamed myself for everything and just different patterns that I was noticing and how I always thought I was the problem and everything. And so through looking at that, I would say those relationships and then like being in therapy, talking about it was the first time someone was like guiding me back to that why of like, why do you feel this way? Like what's the deeper, you know, patterns or familial relationships or early experiences that happened to where this is something you were either, you know, comfortable with or familiar with. And so it was the place that I feel like I learned the most about myself and that like drove me to get deeper and like really figure out like who I was. Absolutely. I can completely resonate with that. I love that you highlighted that time period in your late 20s. It sounds like that was really impactful for you. And that's the other piece of this podcast is people that might be going through their Saturn return in their late 20s. But it is when you think about that time, it is such a significant time for relationship shifts and changes. Friendships start to go Mm -hmm. in different directions. Romantic partnerships start to get more solidified maybe for some folks or we Mm -hmm. might experience bigger impacts and breakups. So what an incredible gift to give yourself at like examining those things. I also think about how – I don't remember where I heard this, but it was some some place, some random place – Someone said the health of your relationships is the health of your like life. I don't know if they use the word mm-hmm. life, but how healthy your relationships are impacts so many other areas as well. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I hear you talking about both in your personal experience, but with clients too. Yeah. Because I think we often assume that we can compartmentalize and keep things very oh, that's just showing up in my romantic relationships, but my friendships are okay and work is fine and not noticing the through line and how it's going to look different, but it's still like, it's probably still showing up in some capacity. It's just not going to look the same everywhere. And so, Um, yeah, definitely that your relationships can give you a sense of insight and just how interconnected everything is. It's hard to have I think we've all had that unhealthy relationship. If we want to look at romantic relationships, it's hard to have that, but then like love all, all er- other areas of your life. It's like it so just bleeds true. into everything. It's so true. As soon as you said that, I was thinking about a, a particularly unhealthy romantic relationship I had at the beginning of my 20s. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was everywhere. It was everywhere. I'm so curious in terms of relationships and this connection. What do you see as the biggest sort of struggle or thing that someone comes to you with when they're like, wow, this is happening in my relationship? Is there a pattern or sort of a thing? Is it feeling anxious? What are people struggling with currently in their relationships from your perspective? I definitely think anxiety is a piece. I think a lot of people come in with this anxious feeling surrounding their relationships or dating or whatever it may be. It's like this sense of urgency. I often will talk about the sense of urgency that people have of like, I have to figure it out. I have to make a decision. I think that it's so hard for us to live in that gray area of like, it can just be right now. It doesn't have to Like if you're in a relationship and you're noticing that you don't love it, or maybe you're starting to date someone and you're thinking, is this right for me? Oh, maybe they did this thing and I'm 
learning about these patterns and now I need to make this big decision and people fill themselves with this urgency of like, I need to figure this out today, right now. And sometimes they'll ask, right? And I'm sure you have clients ask this too. They'll say, okay, but what do I do? Mm. Like you actually, you don't have to do anything right now. And of course this isn't necessarily talking about like abusive relationships because that would entail so much, you know, so many other characteristics and things to take into consideration. But when it's in general, this unhealthy relationship, or maybe you're just starting to question things, there is this sense of we need to rush and find an answer. But really it's like, well, what if we take a beat? Cause that's also acting from that place of anxiety. And we learn how more to like regulate our nervous system and how to just like manage ourselves. And how can we kind of like how you say, return to yourself? What are the other things that we can focus on versus the relationship? And like, what do I do about it? Or, you know, what do I do about this person I'm dating? And what about all the other things happening for you that you probably have been neglecting because you've been focusing on this relationship? So what if we like, just put that aside, you don't have to decide right now. A lot of the time, the person isn't necessarily like going anywhere, like nothing. It's not really like you're in this crisis of we need to decide at this moment. So it's like, what if we take a step back and try to return to yourself and learn how to like regulate yourself and that anxiety and then also just focus on these other things in your life that you probably haven't been giving as much attention to saying like that's definitely like a a big through line that comes in absolutely that makes so much sense what I hear you saying is how can someone who's feeling anxious in their relationship whether it's like oh there's just an anxious part of you that's like oh my gosh I need to do something whether you're dating or you're in a more committed relationship but you're still feeling that anxiety it -hmm. sounds like your recommendation would be for that person to just pause Mm -hmm. slow down this is my languaging but like almost release the grip that you're putting onto that Mm -hmm. relationship and start to cultivate you know the other things that you have going on in your life while regulating your nervous system. I'm so glad you brought that up because I feel like that's probably a separate podcast, but talking a lot about co-regulation and mm-hmm. getting dysregulated in relationship with other people. But yeah. it sounds like you really help people. And this should be for all of our listeners who are like, oh yeah, I definitely feel that anxious part of me in relationships. The first step for them is to just slow down return to themselves and help their nervous system calm down so that they're not in that anxious state. And they probably end up making a way better decision anyways about Mm -hmm, whatever the decision is, if there is one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And when you're so anxious, you don't want to sit still. And that's such a challenge, but that's where you can get a lot more of that insight and what, and figure out what you need is when you do allow yourself that space to be when you're anxious, your mind is just racing and you feel like you need to act and you need to do something. And so it's so hard to even listen to what it is that you actually need or want, which is like another thing that often happens is when people are, they come in just so overly invested thinking about what does this person want? What What does this person need? And they're not even sure of what they need. Like they're thinking about their partner so much and so worried about, it could be a lot of times this is, is just in a dating situation. It might be, I've been dating this person for a couple of weeks. I'm worried. Maybe they don't like me. I'm worried. Maybe I said something. I think I did something to maybe mess it up or maybe 
maybe they want something casual. And so like, maybe I'm being too forceful or they're so concerned about how that person is perceiving them or what that person thinks that they have no idea. If I ask, what is it that you want? Either they don't know, or they'll answer it by saying something that the other person wants, or they think they might know, but through conversation, it's like, is that really what you want? Or are you telling yourself that in order to maybe stay in this dating situation with this person? Like maybe you really do want a relationship and this person has said they're really not interested in commitment. So you're saying like, yeah, that could be fine. But then you're feeling so anxious because you know that ultimately like that's not what you want. Wow. I can't help but notice that in what you are saying, people who tend to lead with the focus of the other person. When you see this coming up for clients and probably just in general, Mm -hmm. you have an incredible social media presence, which I will link at the bottom. Shelby has amazing videos and resources, everyone. So please make sure to check that out and follow her. But people then are so focused on the other that it sounds like they completely forget or neglect or don't center their needs and relationships. And Mm -hmm. as that pattern continues, then what happens if someone's listening and is like, ooh, wow, that might be me. What's sort of the next, if they were just listening to this podcast, they're not working with anyone who can kind of guide them back to themselves. Mm -hmm. What do you see as the next thing that typically happens as they continue to say, no, I don't, I don't want a relationship either when really they do deep down, but they're chatting with or dating someone that does. Yeah. I think there's always this inner conflict and they can't necessarily recognize it. And so then you get this overwhelming feeling and emotion and you can't quite pinpoint what it is and why. And because you're just further, it's kind of like, losing yourself or neglecting yourself. And so you gradually just kind of have no clue. What am I feeling? What am I thinking? What is it that I want? Like it just kind of further keeps, I guess, goes deeper and deeper to where then you just have these intense, maybe reactions or emotions and you're not, you're really just unable to figure out why or decipher why. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're just stuck in that continuing a pattern where you're not getting what you want or what you need. And the other person is experiencing you as being stuck or not really sure why is that typically then what happens after that? Like then the partner, then it creates tension in the relationship. Yeah. If you look at it from like, I think right now, a lot of people are getting information on attachment and like anxious Mm -hmm. attachment and avoidant attachment. And so if someone is inherently, and I don't necessarily think just like a sidebar, I don't necessarily think you're tied to one attachment style. I don't think it's like, I'm an anxious attachment person and I'm always like that. I'm always going to be that. I think people bring out different sides of you too. You can definitely heal different sides of you as well. But I think if you're in a situation where you are feeling particularly anxious, then chances are the person that's going to keep that dance with you if they are saying they don't want commitment is like the typical what you think of as say an avoidant person so you just kind of keep playing that that game with each other that 
is just so frustrating for both people. Yeah. You're just stuck in that back and forth cycle and kind of just like banging your heads against a wall and no one is going to get anywhere. No. Oh my goodness. Okay. Can we go back for a second? I love what you (laughs) said about attachment. I know this could be a whole episode around attachment for those of you who are just hearing this idea or concept for the first time attachment and Shelby you're probably more of an expert than I am on this so I'm going to give what I think it is and please edit but attachment is really there's this idea that with our primary caregiver when we're first born into the world we develop some kind of sense of attachment and there's labels around that secure attachment anxious attachment avoidant attachment and when Shelby was just talking she was sharing her opinion which I completely agree with around there's this school of thought that like you're just an anxious attached person and that's it and that's all that you are. But you were sharing that different aspects and different relationships might bring out different sides of your attachment mm-hmm. style depending on the person. And I completely agree with that. Like in that example, that one person is the anxious person wanting, wanting, wanting the relationship and feeling anxious about it. And one person is avoiding and not really wanting the relationship but in a different context, those could be reversed. Is mm-hmm. that really what you're saying? Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I think, like, even if I look back personally, I think I've probably, pl- I've played all three. If we look at it as, like, secure and avoidant and anxious, just in different maybe stages of life and different people, different partners. Like, I think I've been each of those. And I think there's certain ones like of course we know avoidant and anxious can particularly like play that dance together and let that game and continue in that cycle whereas what I like to explain to some people is that like an avoidant and a secure if someone is securely attached and they're looking for a relationship and someone is avoidant they're not going to continue to engage if they're in this genuine space of like this is what I'm looking for I'm in a healthy space typically if someone is being avoidant they're like okay well that's not for me. Like I'm looking for something else and are able to leave the situation. Whereas an anxious person is like, wait a second, like something else gets activated and they're more likely to continue engaging in it, even if it isn't something that they necessarily want. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So we can quickly see how, depending on the other person in the relationship, we can come into these different dances or styles with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. A lot of your clients struggle with dating and they reach out to you Mm -hmm. because they're, they think they have this perception that they're bad at dating. Mm -hmm. What is the biggest struggle that you see with women in particular in 2023 who are dating? They're in the dating pool. They're maybe on the apps or whatever they're doing, but they're struggling. What's the biggest thing people say to you that they're, they're struggling with? The biggest thing, so I would say that people, I think a couple things, being honest with themselves about what they want, I think is a huge thing. And I think that's easier for me to be able to see it from the outside and to see this like dissonance maybe between like different stories that they've told me where I can easier see like, okay, you're saying you want this or that like you hate dating or that you don't think you'll ever find someone, but then you're also engaging in these different behaviors where I'm thinking like, I think that is something you want. Like this, you know, you get upset talking. Like, it seems like this is something that maybe you are interested in. So I think that 
that honesty with ourselves. And then I think that also probably plays into the cultural or societal and like with the patriarchy and just like the norms there and like trying to untangle a lot of that to figure out what it is that you want versus what you think you're supposed to want. Yes. Um, Wait, we need to say that again. What it is that you want versus what you think you're supposed to want. Yeah, this is definitely. This is huge. This is so important that we pause and just notice that because for me, this is what this podcast is all about, untangling what we actually desire and giving ourselves permission to say it and to just own it versus Mm -hmm. following that trail of breadcrumbs or whatever it is to whatever we think we're supposed to be like wanting or doing. And it Mm -hmm. sounds like in dating, that's the biggest struggle that you're seeing is women are saying one thing, but they actually want something else because they Mm -hmm. haven't really done that U-turn into themselves to take a look. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. And and with that, being able to communicate what they want. Like I think communication is another huge piece that comes into play that I love focusing on. I just laugh because I know other people in my life have been like, you communicate too much. Like, I think you can never have too much communication. You actually can. I have a post on that on my Instagram. But Go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> but I I see that communication is such a problem that women in particular have in a relationship. Number one, I think because they don't know what they want and they think they should, they have to act a certain way or should want certain things. You know, you hear about like the pool girl and you don't want to look mm-hmm. too needy and you don't want to say you want a relationship because like, you know, you look silly and you should be able to be like more independent. It's like this weird, like you're fed so many different lines. As I'm saying that, I'm thinking you are fed this line of like, I should be independent. But then you're also fed this, like, I should be in relationship and I should be, you know, caretaking and taking care of someone. But if someone's not treating you well, or isn't interested in that same thing, you're like, well, I'm not supposed to voice what I want. So I probably have to stay and like, figure it out with this person. Wow. So we're all damned if we do, damned if we don't kind of a thing based on messaging. Yeah. As you were talking, it made me think about like cosmopolitan article titles, Uh (laughs) you know, like I don't even know. I can't even think of any off the top of my head. How to lose a guy in 10 days. Yes. What was it? And they were doing the article on the friend – and like all the the bad the the bad things she did to chase like men away. Yes. And then yes. that's how they came up with like her story of like I'm gonna do all the wrong things. That would be really interesting to rewatch actually now that I think about it and think about it was ten days so it was too soon but it would just be interesting from a different lens now looking at it and seeing like did she want too much? Probably in ten days, but. Yeah, it would be super interesting. Also, I think that maybe I'm remembering this incorrectly, but I'm pretty sure that that movie is coming on its 20-year anniversary. I don't know if that's right, but it also would be fun to look back like, okay, what didn't age so well? You know, like what what things are like, oh, that's a little bit outdated, but it's true. We're – Basically, what I hear you saying is like we've gotten really bad advice because we're getting this like as women, we're getting this like really general advice that's not only contradictory, but it's also confusing. And instead, what would you recommend that women do? I've kind of heard you saying it, but 
you know, instead of like seeking all of these things or following these breadcrumbs that they don't actually want, women should instead just. I, and it's, it's hard. Cause I'm thinking like the, the easy is like, figure out what you need and feel comfortable saying it. But how do you do that is so challenging. Yeah. I think like, yes, there's the figuring out what you want and then learning how to communicate. But the deeper problem is that you, you either don't trust what you want or you don't have the confidence and belief that you deserve it or that it's valid. I think a lot of times women always question what they want. Like, but should I want that? Am I being too much? Am I being too needy? Like, I should be fine with this. I had actually a friend recently say like, well, but men just like can't do that. And it was something about like showing support in a specific way. Mm. And I was thinking like, can they really not? Or is this just, you're just wanting to give that pass because maybe you feel like in your experiences, it's been hard to find. I love this. It's like, wait a second. Is this something that's actually true? Or is this something that we've just kind of collected information on or heard about and just made the assumption that like, oh, it's it's this way. And I love what you said about this simple answer is figure out what you want and communicate it. But it's so much more layered than that, as you pointed mm-hmm. out, that actually when you get down to this, we try to simplify it in a Cosmopolitan article, how to lose a guy in 10 days. But really, we're forgetting not only the nuance in relationships. I mean, you have two separate people trying to come together and like figure Mm -hmm. out all of these things with their own emotions and their own experiences Mm -hmm. and their own stuff. Sometimes I'm like, damn, it's kind of incredible that romantic relationships like even work out in the end because of everything that goes on. But yeah, I'm really hearing how much you're highlighting there's actually a lot of work that goes into that. It's not just like, boom, first do this, mm-hmm. then you do that, and then you do that. It takes time to peel back the layers of the onion and really help the person return to themselves and their desires and figure out what's blocking them from that, which can be mm-hmm. so many different things and can take so mm-hmm. much time to untangle. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It can be as Sometimes it's as simple as seeking out the validation from say, like, cause I know this was helpful for me. And so I'll do this with clients too, is having someone else. Like one of my first therapists that I saw for quite some time was an older, like grandmother type figure. And I, something I loved was that just her reactions to me saying things, if I was like, but like, I shouldn't do this, or I feel really bad about this. Her reaction of like, what are you talking about? And then giving me that validation of like no it's okay like you're okay it's okay to do that or it's not that big of a deal like having someone just validate that and I'm like oh okay well so sometimes it's as simple as just having that type of support and then also sometimes it's like you know if it's if people talk a lot about abandonment if it's I've had these earlier experiences where these are norms for me then maybe it's more of reprocessing either trauma or just these familial or early relationships that maybe have led to a comfortability in these negative situations. Hmm. The way you said that they've led to a comfortability in these negative situations. That's Mm -hmm. such an important thing to notice because sometimes we, 
we're going out with it, right? We're like, oh, well, this or that or that. But there can be that comfort in negative Mm -hmm. situations because it's what we know in relationships and it's what we've grown up with. Yeah. And people often say, you hear like, I attract this partner. I attract this type of person. And I think like, I'm not very versed or like, I wouldn't know the science behind the law of attraction. So I'm sure people could tell me like why that is valid. But also it's so shaming that like, I'm the problem. Like I'm attracting this. It just leads you to think you're broken. You're messed up. Like you're the issue because you're attracting this and you need to figure it out because what's wrong with you that you're only allowing these people into your life. And so I like to try to like take that away or take that out of the vocabulary. And it's more like, what if you're not attracting it, but it's just that you're comfortable in it based on past experiences where someone who didn't have those past experiences would have been able to see that maybe quicker to be like, Oh, I don't like this and, and could leave, but everyone's comfortable and has like different levels of comfort in these different situations. So like, you know, with your friends, you'll see like a friend will talk about a relationship and you'll think like, I would never do that. I bet that same friend would look at maybe situations you've been in and think very similarly, like, oh my goodness, like, what are you thinking? It's just that we can be very comfortable or familiar with different things so that we don't see it as much as like, oh, this is a problem. This is so, so important for people to understand. One, I couldn't agree more about the attraction, law of attraction. I'm sure there is science behind that, but it also removes (laughs) our opportunity to make a choice. Like I am very Mm -hmm. much a big believer in empowerment and you always have some kind of choice, you you know? And so what I hear you saying is that it's helpful for you and your clients to talk about actually what's the familiarity here what's the level of comfort or what's causing you to be a little bit slower in seeing the relation the situationship the relationship as clearly or as neutral as you can when you know mm-hmm. something's really comfortable of course we probably have our own story emotion thoughts that mm-hmm. go into that in a pattern so that's really important. I just want to like highlight if you're taking notes as you listen to this, <laughs> this one's super important. I want to talk about red flags really quick because yeah. this is like a a thing that's circulating the interwebs, these ideas of uh-huh. red flags. I'm curious if you have a list of red flags that you recommend or do you have a particular take on red flags in relationships? in dating it's an interesting question if I have a take on it I honestly would like to think I have never actually sat and thought like do I agree that there are red flags or are there not or do I have this different idea behind it that's an interesting take I would have to sit and contemplate that I think that red flags can vary between person to person because I think as you learn about yourself and you learn about the situations that you are comfortable in, if we're talking about say maybe some that might be unhealthy for you, I think then your red flags might be very specific that you need to learn. Like if you're someone who can be very anxious, then really noticing quickly the type of person that maybe like brings that out in you and figuring out what those are. But I think a huge one is, I would say like across the board is inconsistencies because I think mm-hmm. that leads to so many other things. Someone who's inconsistent and 
and not just necessarily inconsistent, like showing up, but I think inconsistent where you notice this difference between like actions versus what they're saying. Because so often, and I'm sure you hear people say this too, like, but they said this. I have a client right now that's saying that all the time, but they told me this. And they're like stuck on the words versus the lack of action that's behind it. So I think really noticing if someone is inconsistent. And again, it doesn't even mean, I think we get caught up in saying, so maybe this is like a take on the red flag, is that we get caught up in saying someone's bad or good. Like, oh, that's a bad person. Mm -hmm. That person sucks. Someone cannot be a bad person, but still just like not be right for what you're looking for. So if someone's inconsistent, it doesn't mean that they're like a bad guy, a bad girl. Like it doesn't mean they're a bad part. Well, they might be a bad partner, like (laughs) in the sense that it might not be the best partner, but they're not, they're not a bad person. Like you don't need to vilify it. It doesn't. And I think that's probably also where it gets confusing because you see someone you're like, they're not bad. So I'm confused. But the inconsistency is, I think, especially when you first are dating, it's when you can see that is so important that there's something that's probably not lining up with what you need, I would imagine. Yeah, it's almost like the the inconsistencies are pointing to something that's going to break down in the future anyways. Like if that person's saying this, but they're doing that. And you mm-hmm. actually need, you know, the person saying X, but they're doing Y, but you actually need Z, but you haven't, you haven't spent yeah. enough time or really, you know, you're still following the breadcrumbs of like what you think X is, then you, mm-hmm. you're you just setting yourself up for this really difficult situation down the road too. Yeah. Yeah. The inconsistencies could be, you know, someone, it could be that they they mean, I think people get wrapped up in, so did they not mean what they said when you see how what they said doesn't line up with what they did? And that doesn't necessarily mean that. I think people get really hurt thinking, so they didn't really love me or they didn't really care about me, or they said they wanted to do this. Like, does that mean they didn't really like me? And I, I suppose in some cases there are people that are truly just lying to you. I would like to think that's not necessarily the case that someone's consciously like I'm just gonna lie to this person I think that's a very specific person that's not as out there as maybe we think I think people want those things to be true or they genuinely do mean it it could be that someone is very stuck on like I I want to want these things or someone is also thinking I I do really like this person I do really care about this person and so they're saying it but maybe they're not in a space to show you maybe they're not in a space where they're able to actually act on what they're saying based upon their own situation because everyone's going through something maybe they haven't done work on themselves and so they want this thing but they're still stuck in their own patterns where they're not able to take action to do it and it's not a reflection of you yeah that last piece is really important too it's not a reflection of you because that's their own stuff it's almost Mm -hmm. like they're not available to mm-hmm. show up in the way that maybe even they hope that they could like yeah mm-hmm. I mean I do this this is such a bad example but it's I do this with plans I'm like oh yeah I can to- I really want to yeah. go I'll totally be there like mm-hmm. two weeks from now that sounds amazing and then it comes time and I'm like I had a really r- rough week or whatever's going on and I'm mm-hmm. like man I don't feel available to go anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it doesn't mean that you didn't want to. Totally. 
because when someone said it, I'm like, yeah, I want to be there. And then when it comes around to the time, I find this, I don't want to like always blame my human design or use it. But as a projector, it does get difficult because like in the moment you think you have the energy for it and then all of a sudden it comes around and you're like, oh, wow, I'm not sure if I do anymore. Mm-hmm. But definitely that makes me think though about just – I love what you're saying too around not vilifying people and – just noticing though that if that becomes a pattern, you know, obviously if I do that to the same friend that I've made plans with over and over again, that's definitely a red flag in that friendship of like, hey, I'm not really available to show up in a consistent way. And if that's what that person needs, then that's a mismatch for sure. Mm-hmm. So um, that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if someone says they're bad at dating because it sounds like you hear that fairly often. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? They're listening to this podcast and they're like, yeah, I identify as someone who's quote unquote bad at dating. What would you say? I think that we have this idea of being bad at dating. I think it comes from a very perfectionistic type of person who wants to do well Mm. and who has this, like, I, I do well at most things I do. Maybe I'm, I'm probably successful at my job. I probably have been able to attain the things that are like easier to like set the goal for. You're not as reliant on another person to line up with you. It's like, I can know that I want to achieve this and I can set up points to get there. And so I, it's typically someone who is relatively successful who is able to is like a high achiever able to kind of get what they want whether it's like a promotion or the job that they want or something like that and then when it comes to dating we think it translates and so then they think well I'm just bad at it because I'm I'm we take responsibility for everything like I'm the Mm -hmm. reason why these people come into my life I'm the reason why I can't seem to have a healthy relationship. I'm the reason why I, even when someone treats us poorly, we're mad at ourselves that we chose them, that we stayed. We just blame everything on ourselves. And so I think it makes sense that then we say, well, I'm just, you know, bad at dating versus looking at it from a curiosity of like, what has led to maybe these relationships or this point. And so it's so hard because it's easy to say, have self-compassion, but like, how do you get that? <laughs> and how do you even like just so, be nice to yourself? It's so hard. Thank you for saying that because it is so hard. And while there's the like logical, you know, learning part of me that's like, yes, research shows that self-compassion can help. It's like, yeah, it can. And it feels like this elusive you know, like thing, you can't hold it or grab it or read it in a book. So mm-hmm. I love the question you're asking around like, well, how do you get it? And how do you, how do you move away from taking so much responsibility, but also really being so hard on yourself and making it, I think mm-hmm. you said something like making it all your fault. Mm-hmm. I have two questions about this. The first question is, why do you think 
we do this or women, I think probably more women in particular, I would assume, but maybe this is a yeah. human thing. Why do you think we do this as humans? Like, what is this about? This like really responsible and is it a particular group of people? Like maybe this more high achieving group? Why are we doing this to ourselves? Because it's not helpful, clearly. Yeah, I think probably a macro thing. And I bet thinking about the podcast I was listening to with Mal, I bet she would probably have a lot to say on this piece of it. Thinking of how like this is, I think it's probably societally how we're very, I think there's a better word for it, but we're just very independent. Like we're not collective, we're not in community. So I think it's hard to maybe grasp other people influencing or like just living amongst others and having these relationships that aren't solely dependent on you. So I think we're very isolated as it is. So it's easy to see things as like, and and in our, in our society and just how we achieve, it's just very, what's the word? It's not just independent. It's like singular. No. Yeah. I know what you're saying. It's like very individualistic or like individual focused. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's probably part of it is just that we're used to it being told if you just work harder, you'll be able to do this. If you just do this, then that'll work. And so you're just, so I think we're already conditioned that it's, you need to figure this out. And so I think that's kind of just the messaging that we always have gotten. So I think just, you know, on a larger societally, I think that's probably one piece of it. And I think when you're high achieving as well, you see that it works. So then you're like, why can't I figure this out? Yes. And I think people have a hard time releasing control that like things happened. I had these experiences that influenced this and people think, no, but I should be able to get over it. Like, why is this a problem? Even if they recognize it, they're like, okay, but yeah, now I'm an adult. That shouldn't, why is that bothering me now? And it's hard to, I think people also think they're placing blame and there's a difference between like understanding and blame or taking it into consideration and blame. So I think sometimes people also really struggle because they feel like they're vilifying or blaming their parents or caregivers or just like early experiences for situations that they're now experiencing when I always try to explain that too, that like, we're not saying it's necessarily someone's fault. It doesn't have to be that we're, you know, blaming someone because people think, well, I don't want to talk bad about my mom. Like she's a great person. She tried her best. And it's like, She did. And we can understand that. And also take into consideration that, you know, these different things have potentially influenced like how you feel in specific situations and that's okay. Absolutely. It's like both things can exist side by side that there can be Mm -hmm. a part of you that didn't maybe get what you needed in the moment. And your mom was still a great mom. Yeah. And also a human as it, as it turns out, you know, that, yeah. We are humans and we're going to do things. So what I'm hearing you say is it's actually easier to blame ourselves and turn that inward than it is to look at the situation because then we have a context of like, well, someone it's, it's either me or it's them. So mm-hmm. I don't want to blame them. So I'm turning that in on myself when really there's like mm-hmm. this, this other area where it's just, oh, wow, this experience shaped this in me that was influenced by this and this person, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And then I think there is also that piece of 
for women specific that we're not really given or encouraged to voice needs or to express like when we're not being treated fairly, like we're given signs that like, it's your fault. Yes. So I think that's also a huge thing for women. Like I remember my first internship in school, I had a, like a staff member at the internship at the agency hit on me and then like asked me on a date. My supervisor was like livid. And so she told the, whoever heads the agency and it was another, it was an older white man. And so he did his, you know, quote unquote investigation, which I laugh at now. Cause I'm like, well, what did you guys <laughs> investigate? I think they just talked to the guy and they talked to me and then their results of their investigation, which again, was just this man that like ran the agency. He told me by himself too. It was just him and I in a room and I'm like, Oh wow. 21. Yeah. And I remember he t- said that their investigation resulted in that I was inviting the behavior. N- no way. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, and it was so confusing at the time being like, because you haven't, you're so young that you don't understand these like concepts and you haven't had these experiences sometimes like so blatantly that I remember like, I, I remember feeling so uncomfortable. I'm sh- pretty sure I cried in my car because I thought it then I did something wrong. Like, oh, this, my supervisor was upset it happened. And this man just said I invited it. I so uh, yeah. Oh my gosh, Shelby. Yeah, but that's the example of like Mm -hmm. we're we're told you invited that you shouldn't have worn that. Like whatever the messaging is around the situation, particularly as women, and Mm -hmm. it's super frustrating. But this is so important. I'm glad we're talking about this right now because. To those of you listening who have told yourself you're bad at this, it's all your fault, it sounds like this is an opportunity or a moment to really pause and take a look and see if that's really true. Like is this thing 100% your fault in this relationship? Are you really truly quote unquote bad at dating? Are you – what was the word from earlier? It's not manifesting, but it's like the sister of attracting. Yes, thank you. <laughs> the sister. Are you attracting the wrong people? It's like the any place where you're taking so much responsibility, may this be an invitation to like see if mm-hmm. all of that responsibility truly belongs to you. Because I think if whenever you're interacting with anyone, it, it doesn't make sense in that in the context of what we're speaking about that it's like all your fault this is again i'm going to just keep highlighting this but this is just really important to notice where you might be taking on too much responsibility too much mm-hmm. accountability and where we just need to maybe come with a bit more curiosity and neutrality to the situation if mm-hmm. we can And if you do start to notice that and you are like, oh, wow, this is a pattern of mine, would you recommend that someone just get some support somewhere to take a look at those kinds of patterns within them? Definitely. I think that when, as you start to notice these patterns, one thing that I've been thinking about, especially in terms of having so much content and information available to us on these different topics, I think is that then 
it's be it's wonderful that we have this and it's great that you can kind of read things and think like oh, okay wow like that's interesting I'm taking so much responsibility and maybe that is enough for you to you know be able to make different choices and to feel good oftentimes I think it's really hard though in being that same person with that same mindset to be able to then get that information and make the change yes because there's there's a difference between knowing it logically versus feeling it and being able to take a different action. I know I needed a lot more support. Like I could know something logically, but then I would just get frustrated that I kept doing the same thing. I was just working with a client on this exact thing in our work this week. I am going to create a couple Instagram posts about this because this is so important. There's so much information available to us now and we can read it. And it's so helpful to highlight things, but that's just the beginning if you're hopeful to make change within yourself because we know that our brains are going to fight us every step of the way as we start to make change. Mm -hmm. And so that's where support can be super helpful. But hopefully this also highlighted or gave you, as you're listening to this, some permission to to start the Mm -hmm. process and start that journey. I want to talk to you forever and ever. I definitely want to have you back on for sure about relationships because you're just such a wealth of knowledge. I'm curious for you, if you could highlight one thing for someone out there listening who's thinking they're bad at dating and or who's feeling like they're failing in a relationship, even if it's a friendship or, you know, a parent relationship what would you say to them or what would you remind them of? I would try to, using some of your words too, I like that getting curious about. I would try to get curious about why do I think I'm responsible for everything that's happening? Mm. Like why am I taking the responsibility for everything? What has transpired maybe in my life in general where I think, I am solely responsible for the outcome of these various events. Yes. Like really just using that curiosity to just see. It's almost like you can hover above the situation and be like, oh, isn't Mm -hmm. this interesting? Why am I doing this? There's no judgment as you ask that question. It's more just like, oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this thing. I wonder why. What's going on here? Yeah. So I think sometimes those questions can kind of, I don't know if that specific one maybe resonates with everyone, but I know sometimes those questions, when you ask somebody, even if you're working with a client, you ask a client, you ask yourself, it kind of jars you for a minute. You're like, well, that's kind of silly. Like, why do I think that? Like that can't be true. Absolutely. So even if we put it in context with that person that you gave the example of that was pursuing someone that said that they don't want a relationship but that person was thinking like oh yeah but maybe they will or Mm -hmm. or maybe I don't want that they could Mm -hmm. ask a question this why question what would Mm -hmm. we how would we help them put it into context like why do I instead of maybe then in that situation instead of maybe looking at it like why do I think I'm responsible for all of this? I mean, that could work too mm-hmm. in terms of why am I taking the responsibility for the actions of another person? Because that avoidant yes. person is still engaging with you. I think also that curiosity of 
why is this a situation that I am comfortable in? And comfortable can be confusing because I think people are like, but I don't like it. I'm not comfortable. So why is this a situation I'm familiar with? Yes. Yes. Or I'm comfortable in the discomfort. Yeah. Like even though it's making me, yeah, feel anxious or whatever, Mm -hmm. why is it a situation that I haven't just like walked away from? What's keeping me in it? Yeah. What's the familiarity? What's the familiarity? Such a good question. If you're taking notes, those were like five excellent journal prompts that (laughs) Shelby left us with. Oh my goodness, Shelby. I'm so grateful to you for coming on and just dropping all of this incredible knowledge that you have. I know this is going to help a lot of people. So thank you (laughs) for that. I'm so curious. Okay. I have two questions I want you to tell, well, one's not a question. One is, can you let people know where they can find you? But two, I want to know what do you have going on or coming up? Are you taking new clients? Do you have anything exciting or fun that you want to kind of share about your practice? Yeah. So I post frequently on Instagram and TikTok and both are at Shelby Chantilly. So that's Chantilly, C-H-A-N-T-I-L-L-Y. And And I will link those in the show notes too. So folks can click directly. If you want to know, you can click directly from the show notes to Shelby's accounts. They are such a good follow all the time. Come check me out. Come check her out. It's a good follow for sure. And I am accepting both new clients for therapy and coaching and for therapy Those are for people who live in the states of California and Utah. Okay, great. Wow. So if you felt really aligned with what Shelby has to say today, you can go work with her. Shelby, thank you so much again for coming on. It was such a pleasure to have you. And I I know there are going to be great questions and listener questions that come in. So I'm sure I will have you back at some point. I would love to. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. You're so welcome. Okay, take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Return. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends. And if you leave a review, five stars, I would be forever grateful.